This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, hey, the turkeys, turkey time, baby, we're close. It's time to give some thanks, a little thanksgiving, if you will, not only for what's about to be on our table in the next however many hours, whenever you're listening to this, but but for, for Flyers hockey, there's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, I don't actually know if that's true, but welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, prognosticators podcast, presidential podcast, Pedialyte podcast, papers podcast, the only Flyers podcast. Let's get right into the action. Uh, a man who started a firestorm last week, and that, of course, is Chris Terrian Bundy, who you can find on Twitter at cterrian6. Bundy, how are you feeling today? You want to, you want to, you know, pour some more gasoline on the fire? Or are we <laughs> kind of having like a like a like a chill Thanksgiving? No, I think we're going to have a good Thanksgiving. I mean, listen, I you know, I mean, I don't think we went out out of any context other than the things that we've seen. You know, I mean, it uh, it's in front of your eyes if you just take a look. I mean, it, it really is. So, I mean, for me, you know what? It was it was a good week. I mean, I think that uh, uh, you know, I mean. It's been it's been a tough guys. It's been a tough couple of weeks all around. First of all, by the way, the team is playing. Um, that that event last week did not go. I don't think the way people wanted it to see it go. Uh, so we spoke up about it. But right now, I think a major concern outside of what's going on at the top is actually the team itself. Anthony, I know we've talked and and Russ. Uh, you know what they? This is not getting any easier. Remember, we were hoping for eighteen points in thirty six games, or excuse mm-hmm. me, thirty was it? Uh, yeah, teams we're looking for for like eighteen point. points, right? I said they. I said they need they need to get at least a point a game to stay in the playoff race. And I think yeah, you and I, I had said that it was like 20, 24. 24 to twenty six would have been a really successful run here. Where are they, Russ? Do we have any? They're not. They're nowhere near that, are they? They're not close. Anthony uh, will crunch the uh, numbers over there. He's going to be our uh, resident uh, math guy for the for the week. I, I flexed see, my math muscles last week. So we, we meet before the show and we talk about everything we're going to say. And then this comes up, well, where are they? Nobody asks me beforehand to look it up. So now I got to sit here and add some points <laughs> together. That's all right. Nobody asked me, guys. No, guys I, you I, have I, told I, me, it doesn't, told it me doesn't matter, but I'm just saying they're below that number. Way below. Yeah, it's not good. Number. I mean, right now it's not good. Now, can they, can they get to the, the point total that we hope they would get to? Maybe, possibly. They're going to need divine intervention or some serious shakeups to probably they're, get there. They're, well, three, we're gonna, they're three, four, and two. Through, through halfway through, through nine games. So they're three, four, and two. So they got eight of eight of the uh, out of 18 so far. There you go. So they're going to have to yep. get 10 out of 18 in the second half of this in order to, in order to hit that minimum of 18 points. Mm-hmm. That's not good. That's what we in the business call not good. 
All right, let's get to the other man who you just heard from. He likes to start fires of his own. I don't know if he's going to do it this week, but he does have a, a very nice little quafted faux hawk going for those who are uh, watching over on YouTube. And that, of course, is Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Anfilippo. How are you doing, pal? This is the beauties of working from home, right? Um, yeah, you just roll out of bed and you're you're, you're going to work. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm doing good, doing good. Um, like Bundy said, uh, you know, it's really just kind of disappointing to see the way the team has played over the last three games. I mean, you sit there, you kind of knew at some point they weren't going to be able to keep it up defensively um, with Ellis out of the lineup as long as he is. You can only rely on Justin Braun as a top-line defenseman for so long. You can only rely on Nick Sealer and Keith Yandel as a pair for so long um, and before things started to go sideways. And I thought, you know, you look at it and say, man, Yandel and Sealer were way overmatched by Tampa last night and it wasn't even a great Tampa team they're obviously they're uh you know Kucherov hasn't played yet this year and um Braden Point is out of lineup so it was it was kind of like their their second team <laughs> for the most part uh but even still they looked bad and then I thought Provorov had a bad game last night I, I thought Provorov looked a lot like Provorov of last year uh when he you know just kind of just kind of isn't the top guy and so uh you know you start to worry you, we sit here and talk about the offenses and scoring and it's not but I'm also starting to worry a little bit now about how they're playing defensively. And this isn't on the goalie. Goal, Carter Hart still had a decent game last night. Um, but, uh, you know, you start to worry a little bit about how the defense is playing in front of him. Um, man, if you can't start to fix this and fix it quick, this, this uh, season can go off the rails real fast. And, and that would be a bad, bad thing for this organization. Well, and let's take a look really quick because we did the update last week of where the flyers were and it was bad in terms of goal scoring it was it was really bad last week i think they were in 19th place uh, if memory serves correct they were all the way down to 27th out of 32 teams in the nhl and scoring at 2.53 goals per game that's that's anemic anemic might be a nice way to put it i'm just looking really quick to see where they're at in goals against i know that it's a higher number but i think defensively um yeah, they're 23rd, 2.71 goals against per game. Obviously, a big part of that is the lack of Ryan Ellis in the lineup, the arguably the biggest offseason pickup. I mean, it was him and Cam Atkinson were really the crown jewels, if you want to call them that, of the of Chuck Fletcher's offseason. Uh, Ellis made his way back into the lineup briefly and is now out four to six weeks. Um, God knows what that's actually going to look like. Is it really going to be four to six weeks? Are they going to have to hold him out longer? Are they going to want to hold him out longer in the hopes that he is able to get himself back into some sort of shape where he's not going to aggravate the same injury yet again. And now you have the even bigger issue. And I know we talked about this last week, but we, we really do have to face uh, a realistic question here that I want to get into with you guys, which is uh, Kevin Hayes is now being listed as week to week. He was back for what a game when he uh, initially retweaked the injury, they're saying week to week, but isn't that almost kind of de um, delaying what might be the inevitable? Like there's a chance here that he's going to be shut down for longer. There's a possibility out there that he could possibly require another core muscle surgery. Um, if that's the case, doesn't this team, doesn't it behoove them to just put him on LTIR, try to get him healthy. And maybe if you make a playoff run, you bring him back, you do the Kucherov thing from a year ago and, and you just hope because right now you have no cap space to go out and make any real acquisitions. 
you can't address the the need that you have on that top pair with Ivan Provorov. You can't really do anything externally to bring in help to fill that that two C gap. What do they do? Bundy, should they shut him down? Should Kevin Hayes be shut down, put on LTIR, and get that salary cap relief, if for no other reason than to try to bring in reinforcements? Oh, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning made a joke about it last year uh, at the after they won the Cup, you know, with Kucherov standing on the podium with the, the salary cap relief thing. I mean, they found a way through it. The problem is with, with this team, guys, is this team's not good enough to make the playoffs with even a guy like Kevin. Like Kevin Hayes, he's a good player. He's not a game-changing type of player, though. I mean, in terms of where you're at, I mean, if you're relying on Kevin Hayes to make the playoffs, I don't know how that would work anyway. He was healthy last year, and they didn't make major strides as the season went on anyway. But if you can put shut him down, of course, Russ, that's the question. Uh, get some cap relief, find another player. But <clears throat> my issue is that Tampa's a different animal because they were able to actually do that with Kucherov because they were so deep. Uh, you know, two Stanley Cups uh, will will in in less than a you know a calendar year, and having the best defenseman in the game in the last fifteen years, and the best goalie in the league in the last decade, certainly helps that. The Flyers don't have that luxury of taking a Kevin Hayes, sliding him over to the side, and crossing their fingers they make the playoffs to get him back. That's just not a feasible formula. Uh, it looks like it's going to have to be Morgan Frost, who's about a point. He's about a point a game, I think, in the minors with three goals. I don't know if that's a long-term solvent guys. And now Broussard goes down with an injury last night. First of all, they outside of Coots, I don't think that they really ever had like a big enough guy at center anyway. Like I think you need two pieces of size up the middle. They don't have any of that. And now as Anthony said, with the two C, I mean, you're going to play in the league with, with somebody who's either a minor leaguer or Derek Broussard at this stage in, in his career. Uh, you're you're already way behind the eight ball and you're probably staring down uh, the barrel of a shotgun right now in terms of where your season's at week to week. You may as well call it month to month. Uh, it's, it's certainly because they don't know where he's at in that injury, but yes, uh, that would be the, probably the way to go. Russ would be to lo- shut him down and go out and acquire somebody that you think is going to be able to help your team. What that is, I don't know. I just don't know what that looks like uh, for the short term or the long term. Anthony, I, I, this is a it's a tricky situation, and it felt you know, guys. I think we felt all along. We've talked about this. This has felt like a house of cards from day one. It really has with the injuries, you know. And again, Ellis coming in, you know, Ellis is a good player. Again, I don't know how much difference that would have he would have made over the course, you know, of staying. Of being in the lineup, how much better would he have made Proveroff? But nothing's working right now in terms of where they're at. Special teams is off, especially the power play, uh, and they're having trouble finding their footing. But I just don't know what you can do for a quick fix right now, except probably calling up one of the guys from the minors, Anthony, and then hoping that that goes well. And I don't think that that's going to work. So here's here's the thing, and you're right. I mean, there's nothing you can do right now. You gotta you, you gotta survive with what you have. And and the Flyers, if you, you know, I don't know if. Uh, the NHL fans are really aware of this, but throughout the organization down in the, the Phantoms are absolutely decimated with injuries right now. Um, they're, they're signing guys off the street to come in and play because they have, they really have nobody uh, down there with all the injuries that they have. Um, so the, the or- organizationally, their depth has really been tested. Not that it was great depth to begin with, but it's really been tested with a lot of injuries um, you know, down, down on the farm. So you really don't have much 
to go with other than what, you know, what we've seen so far. I mean, these are, these are the guys that are going to get called up. I mean, we've been waiting for, for frost, I guess, in a way. Um, uh, and he has to play like we talked about back in preseason has to play in a scoring role. You can't, you're not calling up Morgan frost to play the fourth line, no. but here's the thing that I, I that, that I'm wondering, and, and I'm putting a, um, as we're sitting here recording this, it's not live on the site yet, but uh, uh, I guess by the time people are listening to the podcast, you can find this column on crossingbroad.com. Um, the, the thing that I want, I'm wondering is this. The Flyers went all in in the offseason with Chuck's moves, right? These, these big moves that he made and bringing nine new faces to the organization. Um, so if you go all in in the summer, can you just bail out now or do you have to remain all in? And by that, the question is, is that do you have to now with Ellis and Hayes out long-term, do you have to try to do something else to stay all in this season? And that's, and to me, that's the big question. Do you have to, are you willing to give up something of real value because new, usually there's no trades this early in the year. Usually the trade conversations are quiet. I can tell you that, and I know people are going to say, here goes Anthony on the on this train again, because I was the guy who reported that they were trying to trade Voracek for Tarasenko back in, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the summer when they were going to utilize Seattle as the middleman as part of the expansion draft to make that happen. But I can tell you that the St. Louis Blues have sent some heavy hitters uh, to the Wells Fargo Center to watch the Flyers play lately. Um, and we also know and that- Really quick, really quick. I don't mean to interrupt you. I know the answer. This bunny knows the answer, but there are some people who are listening who probably don't Go understand ahead. like what, what you mean or, or how. How do you know that St. Louis has sent people to Wells Fargo Center? Give the people the very easy, tangible answer. Well, we sit in the press box and we see who's there. I mean, that's number one, but that's, there is a- it. No, I, I, I don't, that's all I wanted. I just wanted yeah, to yeah. insert that well, because I don't, I, don't want people, I don't want people to be like, Oh, were you looking in a box? Did you have binoculars out? Were they just <laughs> no, sitting no. in the lower bowl? Like, no, it's not that. We there, there's the full list. I mean, you see right, well, the organization guys are from too, but you, but it's yeah, name but, but, recognition but, as well. So continue. Sorry, yeah, I just I mean, wanted. You, you, there's there's a big that. like there's a big difference. Like, you know, we might not know who a specific um, scout is. So therefore, when you're you know you're coming in and you know you walk over to that list that's that's on the board. And you look and you see these names and you say, oh, okay, well, well, who's that guy? And who does he work for? And you find out the organization. Um, and then, so then, you know, um, you know, who it is when, when they're there and you're like, oh, okay, so that's, that's their scout. All right. And then you can kind of like put a name to a face and you start to learn a little bit. But when um, Doug Armstrong, who is the general manager of the St. Louis blues comes to watch a flyers game as he did uh, against Calgary I believe it was the Calgary game that he was in, in for makes you think that there's something more there right why is the general manager of the Blues coming and watching the Flyers so um, again this is long-term scouting this is, doesn't mean something is imminent doesn't mean that there's a trade happening right now but we also know Bundy that that uh, Chief is a big fan of JVR we know it I mean, Chief Chief likes him likes the way he plays um, and, and I think that if you're looking to go salary for salary, you could probably still pull something off in the sense, maybe give the blues a little something extra, a little draft pick or prospect. 
I, I talked to Chief okay. yesterday. He didn't mention his love for JVR, but I'm going to circle back with him on that one today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not... You know what, Anthony? It, it's you know it's really interesting you say that, and I'm not I'm not taking a shot or laughing at you, but in the game today, right? Like you can look at JVR for what he is. I mean, he had a good start last year, and then he's he's not reliable in his own. I mean, he is what he is at this point. Yeah. He's not reliable in his own zone. Uh, when he's scoring and getting power play points, he can be efficient, but he's not a five on five dynamo anymore. But it actually shows you if Chief really does think that highly of a guy like JVR of really where the talent pool is at in this league right now, because I'm not, and again, I'm not taking a shot at JVR or you or chief. It's just interesting that a guy like Craig Brewey, who took a last place team in January three years ago and won the Stanley cup could insert a guy like JVR in the lineup. But that also shows you maybe with Tarasenko is like, if Tarasenko is that piece that's involved now, he's got 16 points this year, Tarasenko in 18 games with seven goals yeah. um, on the year. I, I, I will say this earlier in the season when I asked chief how his team was going, because I do, I'll just give coaches a call the guys I play with. He said, you know, I really like the way things are going. They had a blistering start, right? They've tailed off a little bit lately, but he did tell me that Tarasenko had a good start to the year for him. And that was probably about three or four weeks ago. And, and I talked th- to, I talked to chief all the time, but that's the but thing. It's Tar- also, I mean, in terms of a, of a hot start, he had four goals in the first six games. That's about as, as hot as it's going to get, right? Yeah. Unless you're Cam Atkinson starting off for the Flyers this year. The problem I think that you run into with, Sarah, with Tarasenko, and by the way, Anthony, the, the idea that you might, you quote, might have to throw in something, uh, end quote, <laughs> with JVR to get Tarasenko. Um, I don't know what that little thing you think is, but that little thing is going to be a whole hell of a lot more than like a oh, mid-round sure. pick. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you, you are right. And it, it's a very good question because- What Tarasenko is and what he's been this season, he's been scoring in bunches, which in fairness is what has kind of dogged JVR throughout his career is being that streaky score. Tarasenko had four goals in the first six games, and then he had a a three-game streak where he had a goal in back-to-back-to-back games, and that's it. There are a lot of games where he doesn't factor in, where he's not producing points. It's not as if he's a a point-per-night kind of player. He's, He's not right now. It doesn't mean that he couldn't be. But this gets back to that initial question of, if you went all in in the offseason or as close to all in as you could, you, you massively overhauled this roster. Some of the moves have worked. Atkinson, I think we can agree, has been a success. The Ellis move conceptually should be a success, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So that is a problem. If you were to go out, and, and again, in this kind of scenario, you're going almost dollar for dollar with these salaries, right? But there is going to have to be something that goes with it. So now I guess the question is, it probably won't be Morgan Frost because God knows what Morgan Frost's value is in the league, unless he does come up here and he produces. Do you part with a guy like Cam York? If you have to, like if the idea is we're going all in right now, we have to stay in this race. We have to stay in the hunt, make the playoffs, hopefully get Kevin Hayes back, hopefully get Ryan Ellis back in a month and a half, two months. Do you do that in the hope that you're trying to make the most of another year of Claude Giroux? who has had arguably the best season of any flyer, which we need to get into in a bit. Do you make that move knowing that you're going to have to part with a young player that you might think is quite promising. If it brings in a guy who could potentially be a difference maker, Tarasenko on the wing for Morgan Frost, if that's the way you're going to have to go for a lot of the season is probably a better option than whatever you have right now that you can put with Morgan Frost. Correct. 
Yes, but you see, so you didn't let me finish what I was going to say. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he would be. And, and yes, I would. If you're, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, again, I made the commitment that I made in the offseason. So to me, I have to, um, I, I have to try to do whatever I can to have the team be successful this year. You can't have the Flyers be a failure this year. I, I just don't think you can. It, it ends up it's going to cost a lot of people jobs and and then you almost get into a situation where it's like maybe it's better to just blow everything up and, and start over and be a bad they team for that. a couple of years right i mean i don't necessarily know if they want to go that route um and i was only bringing up the tarasenko thing to say that this might be something that they're still looking at obviously it was a player they were interested in in the offseason we knew that we were told that um but i would rather go a different way guys you know, I, I would sit there and say, let's look at instead of trying to trade salary for salary or be so caught up and wear the blinders to try and get this guy who's a power forward, which is something that's missing. I mean, on this team, you really don't have that kind of guy. Would you would you then, Bundy, I'll throw another name at you. Free agent at the end of the season. What would a, what would you spend if uh to reach out to San Jose for Thomas Hurdle. I like Thomas Hurdle a lot. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like I, I said, I don't free agent at the end of the year. San Jose is not a great team. You know, it's funny guys. I don't, you know, I, I just, how, you're right. I mean, there are guys like that. You could pluck off teams cause they kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in terms of being able to acquire guys, but <sighs> It's a tough situation, you're right, because you're coming in the injuries. I'd like to find out more about what went on with Ellis. Uh, I mean, listen, yeah, you could say he's not playing and everything, but we gave up a whole heck of a lot, uh, the team. I mean, ultimately, I mean, whatever Nolan Patrick ends up being, he ends up being, right? But he was a second pick overall. He gave away a 6-5 defenseman of Myers, who, I, you know, again, maybe he can or can't think the game. I don't know yet. They'll find out. But they gave up a lot to get a, a, damage, a player with damaged goods. So I don't know what, you know, if Nashville knew it. I mean, clearly coming in, there had all been the speculation about getting a guy like, you know, Ellis in here, but what was his history with the injuries? So again, when you go after guys like that with other teams, you have to be so sure. And, but I, I love Tomas Hurdle. I, I have for a long time. He's been a really good player. Every time I saw him when I was covering games, you know, he was efficient. He'd get around the net. He'd make plays. Uh, but again, you know, is that what, where is he now at this stage in his career? You know, how much better is he going to make the team? This is a group, guys, that's really dominated, I think. It has been dominated still by, by, by the, the shadow of Claude Giroux. You know, it still is the Claude Giroux show with this team. And he's played well. I know we're, we're, we're going to talk about this, but I guess perfect time to segue to it. Again, I, I think I said at the beginning of the year, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to, to Claude, uh, but if he's the best player on the team, which he has been, then your team's probably not going to make the playoffs. That's the hard truth. Whether they're healthy or not, he's still the focal forefront of this team. And to turn the corner and move forward, you have to change the, the dynamic at the top, the leadership group, the guys that have been doing it. Listen, he, he had a great run to start his career. He's been a terrific Philadelphia Flyer. He's older now. And if a guy at that age is still the focal point uh, and, and the part of the game plan of the opposition, 
then you're just not going to be a team that's going to be an elite club at this stage, no matter who you plug in, uh, how many more different nine different players you can have in the summer. It doesn't matter. There has well, to he, be, you have, they have to go out guys somehow and find a star power player, whether that's a 22 or 23 year old, they need to give the fans, they need to give the prognosticators a different look of stardom with the Philadelphia Flyers because it's not 28 anymore. That being said, he has played outstanding hockey. It's just not the formula you can have on a team that's going to be a Stanley Cup contender. Braden Point, Kucherov, they are dynamic star talent players that can carry their team to a Stanley Cup with a great defenseman in Hedman and Vasilevsky in the pipes. The Flyers are nowhere even close to the look of that team. No, not even me, in the same, not in the same calendar. Well, it makes me absolutely sick every time I see Braden Point play, because this is a, a drum that I've banged for years on this show, Bundy. I hate restricted free agency. I think it's the biggest bullshit principle in the entire CBA. It's a non-existent thing. It, it doesn't belong. It just does not belong because these, for the, for a a large number of front office executives, they don't have the balls to go and offer sheet a legitimate player. There have now been over the last three or four years, legitimate difference makers on the RFA market who are young players that you could theoretically build your franchise around. And I, I brought this up before, but like Seattle, you had what Pedersen and McCarr, I believe were both out there this past off season. I look at the flyers. I look at a, a bunch of other teams who needed to get younger, who needed young star power. Braden point was an RFA. What, two years ago, were there any murmurings of the Flyers or any other team getting involved on Braden Point? No. Now, is it partially because maybe Point knew that the, the Lightning were going to be this legitimate juggernaut and he was going to get a decent contract no matter what? Yeah. Could a team have theoretically gone out with an offer sheet and moved heaven and earth for him? I think so. Nobody did. So that makes me upset. What you're saying about star power is totally legitimate. Here's your problem. And it's, by the way, it's not a, a, a Flyer-specific issue. It also exists in this town with the Sixers. You've screwed up with one of the highest picks you had. You blew it. And we can get all the, the pissed off Twitter trolls to start, you know, banging the drum and like jumping out from under the bridge. Everybody said Nolan Patrick was the number one overall prospect. It doesn't matter. This is why scouting matters. This is why listening to your scouts matters. You screwed up that pick and it, it continues to have repercussions year after year. That should have been a player that could have been a legitimate star for your team. That should have been the guy that you could hand the mantle to once you're ready to move on from Claude Giroux. Once Giroux is ready to take a reduced role on the team, you botched it. You effed it up and now you have to, you have to deal with it. Star players, young star players. I don't know how the hell you're going to get one on this team outside of the draft, because if RFAs aren't an option uh, and if you're like the, the GM of another team, is there any team right now? that has a legitimate young star player who's going to want to trade for damaged goods or a past their prime player and a bunch of picks. I don't see it. Not even Seattle has it because, you know, they effed up the expansion draft so bad. Yo, Anthony, yo, where does the I mean, star power come from? You know, like. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the star power is getting older, right? Like a guy like a Patrick Kane, you might be able to get like a guy like that, but they're making $10 million and they're really actually, you know what guys, they're not much different than a Claude Giroux. The difference mm -hmm. is, is they had enough guys to win three Stanley Cups with elite company, right, in sure. Chicago. So that's the difference uh, between them and a guy like G right now. They already have the pedigree. They already have the championships. It's called money in the bank, uh, and their fan base will still show up because it's Chicago, and uh, and they have they still have that that group of players that are there. 
Uh, you know, last year there was a case, guys. They, they do happen, Russ. Like if you look at the uh, a couple malcontents, uh, Dubois for uh, Line, okay. right? Like that was a star. You know, in terms whether there's star players remains to be seen. But that was a star power type of trade, right? That sure. that happened midseason. I, I I'm a, I'm in the belief of this, and I know Paul Holmgren was too. Going back to it, this is a city you have to splash, and you have to splash your fans with it. You know, like you have to go out and make a big deal. The year the Flyers, for example, finished dead last in the league, and Homer took them back. The, you know, the year and had a great run after the worst uh, year in Flyers history. I think he went out and got Briere. He made a trade for uh, uh, Teeman and Hartnell. Those are splash yep. trades, right? And then gave those guys contracts like right out of the gate. So that's to me what you have to do. And whether there's a young guy out there that I, and I agree with you, Russ, if there's a, the Flyers, listen, take advantage of what you have right now. You're owned by one of the biggest corporations in the world and they have money. You know, they, they, I mean, I know the Flyers want to run it like a, you know, regular corporate entity that's separate from their, their parent, but um, you know, like the Montreal and Carolina thing that went on uh, in the last year, right. Where the Aho uh, signing was made by Montreal, Carolina had to keep them. I mean, that's peon money. And the I mean, well, I don't know what they were thinking with Montreal. I mean, they're, they're owned by Molson. So when you get into doing these kind of deals, you have to like when, when Homer made that that act or tried to uh, the sign for Shea Weber, that's how you make a restricted free agent offer. You have to try to cripple the team that you're doing it to so they can't pay the bill. For Carolina and Montreal to go back and forth in that, it's kind of an embarrassment. But you know, Carolina ended up winning that thing because they ended up getting Cockney uh, on their offer yeah. sheet, and Montreal couldn't match it because of cap issues. So either you have to know what you're doing going in with that offer, or you absolutely have to wow the team where they simply say, we can't pay that. And he tried that with Nashville. I loved it. Shea Weber would have been here already seven, eight years, you know, but it, it wasn't to be. You also didn't have the, the same kind of restrictions on the salary cap that year. Well, that's, that is true, but there was still a cap in place. That's why they started front loading the signing bonuses a little bit, right. That, that yeah. factored into it and, and front ending contracts where they started taking numbers off the back end of years. But I, yeah, again, yeah. I mean, Braden point would have been an incredible find for a team. I mean, you want a top five player in the league on your team just well. And then, well, here, let's, let's look really quick. This is us turning the page on the whole season. We're not actually doing that, but just for argument's sake, line is an RFA at the end of the year. Matthew Kachuk, who we've talked about on this show, is an RFA at the end of the year. Either of those guys could be a help. Well, Matthew Kachuk, if you can get him here, I'll drive the truck myself and pick him up. I'll call his dad and tell him, I got I got him. Don't worry, he's coming to Philly. <laughs> but, you know, like, seriously, yeah, Matthew Kachuk, for me, he would be my complete focal point as, as if I were the Flyers. Um no disrespect to Calgary, but usually when a guy has come out, he's an American player. He spends his time in, in, in Calgary, unless you're going to get that really major long, long-term deal. And you love that organization franchise. I would think that he, he would probably come back to an American team. That's just my guess. I, I don't know that maybe he absolutely loves Calgary. I love the city of Calgary, but I just feel when you start getting into that kind of number, the dollar actually becomes an issue. So I think he's going to take it to unrestricted free agency and, you know what, guys? They might be trying to unload a guy like Tarasenko right now because St. Louis is Kachuk's hometown team, right? The Blues. That would open up some cap space for them, uh, certainly in the offseason, if that's what he wanted to do. Just a, just a thought. But he would be I – would, I would take Matthew Kachuk 20 times before I took line A one time. That's just me. 
Well, because he's a more complete player. He is. Yeah. It plays he's the style younger, of game. Right? Yeah. He plays the style again. No. Um, Kachuk's I mean, older. Hold on. Kachuk's 24, isn't he? Yeah, Am Kachuk's older than Line A, I believe. Yeah. I think he's older by about a year. Line A 23? Yeah, a year or two. 22 or 23? Yeah. Here we go. Let me update my sheet. And the correct answer is... Yeah, by a few months. Matthew Kachuk, 24.6 years old. Actually, yeah, and Line A is 24.2 years old. Yeah. Because we go by decimals. Anyway, could be interesting. Um, And... I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Bundy before. Is there any alternative to getting this team impact help than LTIRing Kevin Hayes? Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to ultimately, if they choose to do that, if they choose to go after, you know, stay all in and keep trying to push for playoffs this year, they are, they're going to have to do that. The thing is, is you don't, you don't do it right away. Um, there's reasons for that rust there. It's very hard to kind of explain. It's, you know, we look at the salary cap as a whole, like what the cap is, but in, in actuality, it's, it's managed on a daily basis day to day. And so the day that you put a guy on LTIR, you know, you could, you could save more money by waiting than by doing it now. Um, So it's, it's just a matter of smart bookkeeping, right? But yes, I think ultimately that's the right thing to do. Ultimately, the right thing to do would just be to look, Kevin Hayes, you got to get another procedure done. Or even if you don't, like we're going to find somebody to replace you. You get yourself healthy and we'll get to the playoffs and then you can come back in the playoffs when it doesn't matter. There's no salary cap in playoffs. We can have everybody healthy, right? Um, so I, I, yeah, I think that that's certainly a possibility. I'm just a little surprised. And, and you know, Bundy, you mentioned this already. I'm just a little surprised that they're going with week to week for this because we know what his injury is, right? Like we know what he's experienced. We know that he had this surgery twice. It's not like that they're, you know, that this is some kind of, you know, secretive lower body, upper body. That's all we're telling you. And you're not going to get anything else. Everything else is going to be undisclosed. We know what his injury is. And, and he even talked about it um, after the game, when he scored the goal, um, and, 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 you know, he said that, you know, at first he was scared to death because it was the same spot. And then, you know, they told him he was okay, but now he hasn't played since. Right. So, so we know what his injury is. I think that that's, that one is a little bit more perplexing to me than Ellis, where we don't quite know. We, you know, we have some ideas. We think we know. Um, and these core muscle things are, are so tricky with every player. It's different with every player. Some you can play through, some you can't. Some get better with rest. Some need the surgery, whatever the case might be. Um, but at the same time, like, like I, you know, why are we going just week to week with a guy who has shown that had the surgery, uh, came back, started skating, injured it again, had a second surgery in the same spot, came back, started skating, has now injured it again. What's to make us think that, oh, this will get better with just week-to-week rest as opposed to, man, we got to go back in there and really figure out what the hell the problem is. That's a, and, and that's, a, that's a fair question, right? That, that's up to the, to the manager, the player, and the medical staff you know, to, to, to discuss that and what the best plan forward is. So 
you know, sometimes you get a player, guys, that jumps in too when a suggestion's made, like we want to get you surgery, and the player's like, no, I'm going to let it rest, and I can come back, and 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 it'll heal. Uh, but again, if this is just, I, I'm with you both on this. I think we're all in the sense that, like, what's the point of of treating it, getting it to a point where you know you can get back for that particular game, but no assurances that it's going to be good for the next particular game after that one, right? Because it keeps getting injured, so. That for me, I, I think it's a. This is a case where, and again, I don't, I don't know the whole details of it, but I'm guessing that it should be just shut the guy down, get him the proper surgery, get him into the rehab, and then get get a player in here of some kind that's going to help. Because right now you're in limbo, and the worst part is everybody's sitting in limbo waiting on it, and that's the worst part for every other player. Is like, well, where are we at? Believe me, when players are injured, you're always wondering when they're coming back, when they're getting healthy. You know, as a as a player in the lineup. But it, it, there's nothing worse. And I, I went through it with Forsberg one year, guys. Remember that last year? Like, it was like his foot was in the bucket. I mean, he looked like a broken down horse some days. He had like two two feet and two ice buckets all day. Then they were fixing his skates. And Harry, it was, Harry Bricker was always trying to do maintenance. That becomes a burden, too, when players are always wondering when that guy's coming back. That's why I say you send a message to the group saying, okay, we're going to shut him down. We're going to go find somebody that we can get in here with salary around the league. We're going to put that player in there. And we're going to hope like hell that this thing works because, and then get to the playoffs. And you said, Anthony, you know, have a full, you know, no salary cap where you can have as many guys as you want making whatever, like the Tampa Bay model last year with Kucherov. And um, so I think that that, that should be the plan that they execute, whether or not they do it or not will remain to be seen. It sounds like right now it's a week to week, whatever that means. Um, but to me, that's more like a month to month, you know, like, I don't know how long something like that's going to take. I mean, you have to rip the bandaid off the situation at some point, right? Otherwise you're pissing away the season because That's if you, it, Russ. I mean, I mean, if you go with this, this idea of, well, you know, we, we don't want to shut him down for whatever reason, like maybe that, listen, I, we're not going to make light of this or, or, or minimize it or, or, or whatever, sure. but I mean, he's got, he's had a lot happen in the last few months, the loss of his brother. That's a serious thing. And maybe this team thinks that for his mental health, giving him the, the the target of like get healthy get back on the ice help your team all these you know friends of his have been brought into the team like maybe there's a hope that he's going to be able to recover you get him back in you reintegrate him and, and it's good for his his mental makeup and and if that's the case can't fault them for it right at the same time you have a team and you have you have a team to run and for better or worse comcast has a business to run on this side they don't necessarily run it well but they have to try and wasting a season on the hope that a guy who's now had two core muscle injuries or two surgeries in the past 12 months that might have to get another one. Like that's, that is not a, an intelligent model to try to lead you to playoff success. Here's the other problem. Even if he gets healthy, right? What's the one thing that happens when you're, when you're coming back from an injury, you're probably going to play tentatively because you don't want to overdo it, especially for a guy who's tweaked the injury now. He came back, he had a very long, you know, a nice off-season window to get healthy, came back, tweaked it, shut back down. Well, if, if you start favoring or you start trying to nurse a potential injury, one, you're going to start overthinking the game. Two, you might start to favor things, which opens you up for injury elsewhere. And, and three, there's no guarantee that you're coming back at 100%, even if he comes back and plays to the, the utmost, you know, the highest level he's capable of playing in recovery you're still not guaranteed getting the 100% Kevin Hayes you would need to be an impact player. 
So to me, it's like all the evidence is there. Everything that you could possibly need is there to say, you know what, unless we're totally wrong, unless he felt the slightest tweak, they've done all the scans and they think, yeah, you know what, seriously, two weeks, shut him down. We're going to give it one more go. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to go LTIR out and go, go surgery again. Fine. But if, if they're hanging, if their entire season hangs in the balance on whether or not Kevin Hayes can come back and play at like 70% Kevin Hayes, and you're just crossing your fingers every game that he's not going to get, he's not going to tweak or that every practice, he's not going to be able to participate fully because you have to you know, worry about this injury. Well, then none of it really matters. Any of it. You're just delaying the inevitable, which is going to be shutting him down. That again is assuming that it's not just a minor tweak guys. I, I, I don't know what you do here, but if you can't bring in an impact player with that cap space that you should be able to get by putting him on LTIR, you will have once again done the same thing that Anthony and I have talked about every year we've done this show. You will have gone out and wasted another year of Claude Giroux's career. You will have gone out and wasted another productive year of his career. At some point, something has to give. There aren't that many more productive years left in his career. At some point, you either have to do right by him and send him out, and, and I guess theoretically blow it up or you've got to do everything you can to give this guy a legitimate chance to make the playoffs and see what happens. I think you owe it to him. And if that's the case, there's no option other than to shut Kevin Hayes down until potentially the playoffs and go all in, but it's not going to, it's not going to be cheap and it's certainly going to hurt. The other, the other problem is, as I mentioned earlier, the defense is starting to look shaky. Mm-hmm. And with Ellis out at least another month, if not longer, and I'm going to predict that it goes into January. I, he, I don't think he's back before the holidays. Um, I, I, it makes you wonder that can this group of defensemen that they have without Ellis survive? Because um, it, when, when you look at it, it's just, I mean, look, Braun's been okay this year. He really has. He's been actually been one of the better defensemen, right? I mean, let's be fair to the guy. The guy's actually had a pretty good season so yes. far. Um, and, but at the same time, he's not a top pair guy. He's a, you know, you know more likely bottom four than he is top two. Um, Bristolainen and Sanheim have had, uh, a better they've played better in more recent games they, they weren't particularly noticeable last night but um, prior to that I thought that that pairing has been pretty solid over a handful of games but early in the season they struggled so they so when you look at it say okay maybe they're trending right but they've not been consistent Yandel and Sealer have been awful as a pairing five on five just awful well, one doesn't belong end. in the NHL and the other one's been atrocious at five on five. Like you were bringing right. him in, hopefully to, to maybe be a power play difference maker. So, so, so the point, my point to this is, is that we're sitting here talking about the fact that they can't score and got to go all in to try and help the team get more offense. Do they also have to figure out a way to get something else defensively? Like, like is, 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 is it that desperate now that where they have to say, man, we need both. We yeah, need to oh, we need yeah. to improve in both spots and and as soon as possible, or do you try and think? Do you, do you hope that the goaltending continues to be as good as it's been, and that mediocre defense can get you by 
if you just add offensively? I mean, that to me is another question that I don't know if we have an answer to. Well, yeah. here's here here are some names, right? Because we talked about free agents before. Either UFA, well, these guys are all UFAs at the end of the year. Subban, Latang. No. Nope. Nope. Giordano. Nope. Boychuk. Nope. He's done Strawman. anyway. He's done. No. Strawman. Nope. Uh, Nick Letty. Nope. You have maybe, one of your own. Maybe, you have... maybe, maybe Letty. Maybe Letty. Okay. Maybe still skate. Um, you have one of your own in Ristolainen. <laughs> right? Like a, that, that actually becomes its own thing too. If this team bottoms out, there's an entirely possible scenario here where they look to trade Ristolainen before the trade deadline if, if the wheels fall off. But you got to try that to remains get, to be seen. You got to try to get your first round pick back because if they don't make the playoffs here, he probably isn't going to stay unless they extend them. But if they're they going to extend them for five million dollars a year, is that what it's going to cost? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not paying that for I mean, again, but guys, I, I think we have to start to look and say, like, how many guys in the league are just weren't made for the NHL 10 years ago? They expanded teams in. It's 60 more jobs, right, in the last five years since Vegas came in that were once owned by minor league players that are now in the NHL level. It might just be actually hard to find really good players that you can plug and play uh, because there's guys you're going to see up now, like you see them every night. We just, you know, I've never heard of guys before. Injuries, COVID, more teams, more players available to lineups. I think it's just, a, it's a state of the times, guys, but you're right. If the Flyers decide that they, it does bottom out and they don't go, they don't, you know, they do not climb the standings. Um, then yeah, I would start looking for ways to start securing picks and reloading this thing. That's why I said, I think they should have started doing this four or five years ago. And, and it would have the, the, like the Rangers did that, right? Nobody noticed. They went through the rebuild for two or three years. They got Panarin. They got a star guy. They grew their young defenseman, and they're probably going to be a force. They ended up getting the top pick. Uh, with the, the his name just eluded me for a second here, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, they've got high end talent. Why didn't the flyers, the flyers could have done that same thing. And I think the fans would have understood better than still shoveling out the same product year after year with tweaks around what they view as the top end guy. And that's Drew, I guess, Provorov. And, and you have questions, quite legitimate questions about the defense. He's still not a number one defenseman. Um, they sell him like he is, but he's not. Does two twos make a one with Ellis, the Ellis pairing with Provorov? We never had a chance to see that. But Provorov is not a standalone number one defenseman. He needs to play with a guy that's going to help him out. And that's that's pretty obvious at this point. It, to me, it is anyway. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Um, you know, we talked for a long time about the Hextall years as GM um, and how he – uh, did a nice job drafting. Like he was always a good drafter. And it was this, this was the thing that, you know, he was noted for when he was with the Kings and working with Dean Lombardi in LA that, you know, Hextall was in charge of, of drafting, you know, a- amateur scouting. And, and, and that was his, that was his thing. And you look at his, go back and look at his drafts. And while there have been, I mean, look, you can't knock the fact that, Sanheim's an NHL player. Konechny's an NHL player. Provorov's an NHL player. Um, they were all first-round picks, okay? Um, so you should get an NHL player with your first-round picks. 
But he's also had first round picks of Hermann Rupsov, who's not a first, who's not an NHL player. Nolan Patrick, who we've covered a bazillion times uh, on, on this program that we think that next year is going to be the year and something wrong there. <laughs> and, and Morgan and Morgan Frost, who we're now finally going to see that he's healthy and, and see, is this kid an NHL caliber quality player there? That, so, so you could say he's kind of 50, 50 in the first round. And then look beyond that. What have you really had? You had Nick Albe Kubel, who turned out to be a bust. You had Mark Friedman, who turned out to be a terrible teammate, and they waved him. You have Lindblom, who, okay, fine, but he hasn't scored this year. What else do you have? Carter Hart, right? But that's that's it. I mean, maybe He's been Wade very Al- good. Let's, yeah, let's, maybe, let's Wade be Allison, maybe Wade Allison becomes something. Maybe Tanner yeah. Ruchinski becomes something. Who knows? But beyond that, you, you really haven't gotten anything. So maybe it's time to sit here and say – Part of the problem that the, that the Flyers are experiencing right now and there is because for four years, the, the guy who was supposed to be doing great drafts didn't really do that well drafting for them to have the depth that they need to be able to p- compete at the NHL level this year. So that's why when you say, Bundy, maybe they should have done this before. Maybe they should have broke, you know, um, taken the path that the Rangers did. You're right. Maybe they should have. But there's no guarantee that they would have drafted well when you see how they drafted under Hextall uh, when he was here. Well, and that leads to another thing too, right? Because part of it's evaluation and the guys you draft and part of it is coaching, right? So they, they've had a few changes at the AHL level. And now I guess we come back to the same song and dance that it feels like we do every other year with this team. There's a question right now about coaching at the NHL level. There are questions about the power play specifically, which has been absolutely abysmal for the vast majority of the year there's been an unwillingness to make any kind of change at least in terms of the man who's running the power play unit if the head coach won't make that change and if we're still seeing the same systemic issues with the power play this far into the season that were also part of the the issues with the power play last season does it then bring into question if there needs to be a change on the bench? Bundy, at what point, and I know we talked about this going into the season, at what point does Chuck Fletcher strongly have to make a consideration as to either Michelle Terrian or Elaine Vigneault's position as a coach on this staff? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, you, what you do is first you change the players if you can, right? So you went out and acquired guys in the offseason. Whether they're broken parts or not remains to be seen uh, with Ellis injury. And again, I, I'm, I'm more, I want to play the optimist here and say he's going to be back. But again, I don't know that. I hope he is more than anything. So eventually what you do then is then you have to take a look at the coaching staff. And you know what, Anthony, I know we talked about this a couple of times and Russ probably mentioned it uh, to you as well. But, you know, we're at, we're at a uh, time now after tonight where historically – historically i know it's changed and the trend's been bucked a couple times and flack the flyers did it once themselves um but what has gone on here now um uh is a case where you're at the american thanksgiving and they always say that the eight teams that are usually in at the american thanksgiving is somehow where they where it sits at the end of the year so that is uh that's an interesting one uh because they're not there right they're they're back now at the bottom they're climbing the standings again only the Islanders in the, in the Metropolitan um, are behind the Flyers right now. So, again, that's not a scientific math. But then, again, 
what I'm saying is, is that if, if that's a visual, then eventually, you know, whether the GM uh, has to turn his eyes towards the coaching staff and see if that makes a change. I don't necessarily know if it does. I'm not sure it's going to make a change. Maybe you'll get, you'll be infused with some more life perhaps with a new coaching change. Uh, but there's no guarantee on that either. But in sports in general, I mean, when things don't go, aren't going the way that they're supposed to go and, uh, and you decide that you're going to make changes, um, it eventually will fall on the coaches at some point when that is, or how eager Chuck is to do that remains to be seen. But, uh, certainly there'll be a lot. I think the next two, three weeks here with this remaining difficult schedule that Anthony told us about a couple of weeks ago, um, was going to probably tell the real tale of who this, this team is this year. I thought I thought Ant was going to jump back in there, and he didn't. How about that? Well, I mean, he, he Bundy's right. I mean, I don't know, Russ. What, what what more do you expect there? I mean, it's it is it is what it is at this point, and it's and it's it's not good. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if if making the coaching change is what you need at this point. Like, I I still get the sense, and Bundy, tell me if you if you think differently. I still get the sense that this this group likes each other. This group likes playing for this this coaching staff. Like there doesn't seem to be any real discord uh, from the locker room, uh, you know, and and toward a coach. That you, like sometimes that you start to hear about it, you start to see it in the way that the team plays. Like I don't, I have not, you know, the, even though they were not good last night at all, I still don't think that you know one game within a vacuum is 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 a suggestion that oh, the team doesn't buy into what the, the coach is saying at this point. So I, I feel like it's a little bit harder uh, to, to go after the coach at this juncture. I still think it's too early. Um, you have a brand new team with uh, – there, there were more than 50% of the, of the lineup turned over, and you got to find a way to gel, and then you have some injuries that you have not been able to – you know, to deal with and manage well because they've had injuries elsewhere and their depth isn't very good to begin with. So um, it's kind of hard to put that on the coach. So I think that they, I think he gets more time. I know people are going to talk about it because they're, they lost three in a row, but keep this in mind prior to these three games, they had not lost two in a row as yeah. a, a, the fact that they didn't score was there and, and we could see this kind of coming, but at the same time, this team has been resilient. They have bounced back. They have played games where they got down, and fought back to at least get a point out of it, right? So, I mean, there's there's some stuff there that is. I sit there and say, I understand why fans or why you know an analyst might say, "Hey, the, we're, you know, the coach is on the hot seat." Okay, fine, but at the same time, look at it from a different perspective. Um, that there's there are a lot of factors that are that are kind of playing into this, and I think that this team is still together. I don't think that they're that they're apart at this point. Um, and, and looking for Chuck to make a change at the coach. Like, they, I don't think the players want to see a change at the coaching. Here, here's one, here's just one thing, Anthony, and, and, I, and I agree with you. They've been resilient since day one. I mean, you go back to the early parts of the schedule. They've won games. They've won games. I'll give them credit. They beat Carolina. They beat Edmonton. Those are gr- really good, solid. Washington. It's two teams that were unbelievably – I think what Edmonton was undefeated, and I think mean, Carolina might have had one loss at the time. Here's the problem, though, right? You get those early season games where things come together. Carter Hart was spectacular. I'm just looking at their last few games. So the Carolina win, they should never have won that game. Carter Hart's played the best game I've seen him play as a flyer. They win the game. Yep. 
Then they go to Dallas and get smoked. Terrible back-to-back. I don't like the travel involved with that. It was a tough game. Dallas was reprimanded by ownership. They walked into a buzzsaw in Dallas, and they, they got the short end of the stick. They come back home and play Calgary, right, for Hall of Fame night. Calgary should have won the game. They were out. They all played the Flyers, I thought, for the majority of that hockey game. A lot of plays in front. Carter Hart, good again. Right, so here's you're getting into some richer competition now, right? A lot more, a lot of depth to these teams. Gaudreau was flying that night. So then you got Tampa, Boston, Tampa. You got a point against Tampa because Giroux ended up having that great play at the end of the game, shot it through the myriad of bodies. They tie it, losing over in the uh, shootout. Then, so here, but here's the problem, guys. Then you got Boston, right? Coming in, playing well. They hadn't played in a bit. They dominate the Flyers in that game. Same thing with Tampa last night. So the last three games, you're getting high-end talent. You're getting you're playing teams that are at the top echelon. Or at least they have been, right? They've been recognized as that by other teams. And you fell in all of them. You fell in all of them. You're lucky to get a win against Calgary. Now you got Florida tonight. Bob has not lost in regulation yet. They haven't so lost. At, they haven't lost at home either. Far. They haven't lost at home, right? at home. Bob has yeah. So that, so that's what you're up against. It's not like you're playing like, uh, you know, like bad, like lesser teams where you're kind of having a look at stuff. You're playing good teams now. And the fans in Philadelphia, as we said, they're not stupid. They know what's going on. They flyers can't play with the top teams in the league. And I'm just going to say it as they're constructed right now, they might win the game tonight. They're just not better than Florida. And I wouldn't want to see that in a seven game series. Right. That's, that's really I, that's, where they're at for me. That's let's fair. try to be let's try to be fair here to a kid that's gonna you know get some playing time here for the foreseeable future, assuming he can stay healthy, and that's Morgan Frost. What do you guys expect out of him? And at this point, is there really much that you can expect? It seems like every time he's gotten a shot to come up with and, and play any kind of meaningful role for this team, he's gotten hurt. So at this point, like, what do you expect? Bunny, you mentioned at the start of the show, he's nearly a point per game player. I believe he has one fewer point than, than games played, but he's, he's right, right there. Yeah. Didn't and, and you necessarily know what? Every, dominate the A though, but can we expect much out of him? Every once in a while, a player comes along, right? And you're trying to, you, he has all the accolades, right, Anthony? Like he's been a dominant junior player. He looked like he was playing with little kids some nights. And then you think, well, the transition is going to be interesting to the NHL. What, what did he do or what can he do to bring that flair that he had at a lower level up here? And I think the one thing, guys, in a lot of ways for me is I don't want to say the new regime. I feel like he probably feels, and, and I think from the outside, looks like he's been jerked around a little bit, right? Like he was told, you're going to come in. We got injuries. You're going to make the team out of camp. Well, he didn't play well in camp, so they sent him to the minors. That's a mental beating on a guy. If he comes up here... Um, you're not going to see a great dynamic defensive player, but neither is Giroux. So what I want to see from Morgan Frost, just be a little bit more effective in the D zone, but at the offensive end, do the things that you did that made you successful before. Don't stay right in like, and I'm saying this, stay in the system, but do those things, be a creator, right? And sometimes when you create, you make mistakes, in hockey when you have the puck but he's a guy to me that i think needs to have the puck on his stick and i think will be this will he'll never get the opportunities a young player like he's going to get now because he's going to have to see those top end minutes because of the situation the flyers are in um i believe he actually may have scored his first goal in florida 
um, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had a I think maybe right. it was Carolina. And then I think he scored again in Florida the next no, night. His Frost's first goal was against Florida. Okay, so I, I remembered that actually covering yeah. the game. Uh, look at you! So, yeah, let, look at you! You weren't just there for your good looks. You uh, you remember being there and the, the whole hockey thing. Good on you. Yeah, you. but but just let let the kid play. Live with his mistakes for now and leave him alone for five games. Let's just see where that goes, and then let's let's judge him fairly from that point on. But when I say that, like again, he's a tweener. You know, he's a tweener, but he doesn't have to be a tweener in this league anymore. There used to be two lines, and then there used to be two energy lines. Now they expect you to have three lines that can play with one energy line. He should absolutely, the way that this league is now and the players in it, he should be playing in the NHL. And I don't know what the delay is. I'd like to see him take that step for himself and quite frankly, for the Flyers. And I think it's time that he does that. Well, and that I think brings us to an interesting thing here. And AV has shown a lack of willingness in a lot of instances to play young guys in meaningful roles. Bundy says, leave him alone for five games. If he comes up and isn't on that second line, are, are the Flyers putting him in a position to be successful? He's going, to be, bring that, up- he's going to be on that second line because Broussard okay. is out. Broussard's not going to play. So they're not going to, they're not going to move. I, can't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they put Lawton there. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I think that they're going to try and keep – I mean, you got Drew and, and Atkinson on the wings – I think that they're going to try and have a playmaker there with them. And, and, you know, Frost is a lot. I mean, if Broussard can play in that spot with them, Morgan Frost can play in that spot with them. Right. So I, I don't see the difference there. So I, you know, I think Frost is going to play second line with Giroux and, 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 and Atkinson and see if it works. Here's the thing that I have. I, I don't think Broussard's injury is long. Um, I think it's a short-term injury. Um, I think that we're looking at a situation where Frost might not get as much of a look as, as, as we think. I think if this could be a one, two game kind of thing, and then right back down again, unless he really kind of blows them out of the water with the way he's playing. Like, again, we've seen this before, Bundy, right? I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that this is a situation where, you know, it's like, okay, Morgan Frost has arrived folks. He's here the rest of the year. He's going to lead the way on, the, on that second line. He'd already he'd already be here if he were God, right? Exactly. Right? Like he wouldn't be in the minors if he were already God. So that's like tailor taper your expectations. But yeah. just let I'm not saying I'm saying it's the fans. Let the kid play. Just let him play. Let yeah. him finally just be who he is. And if he really can't play, then we'll figure that out too when we get there. Right. Maybe he just can't play at this level. I don't know, but I believe he can. I really do think that this kid just needs to give give him a shot. Get out of his way. Leave the young guys alone. Just let him go out and. Be. And if well, he makes mistakes, we'll see those too. And and but I, we have to see what he can do. Well, that's a question. So, so this, here's this is why it's to me this is a conundrum. This is why it's a problem for the Flyers right now because they're in a situation where they can't afford to lose games right now. They can't afford to have bad play. Right? They have to try and win. And so you sit there and say, well, okay, let him play and let him let him develop and let him be. You know, he's a young player. Let him let's see what he can do. I'm okay with that, but that would almost be kind of like saying, well, if he makes the mistakes and it costs us, so be it. We want him to, we want him to be a better player. We want him to be in our lineup long-term. Like that's why I look at it and say, I think the timing of this, they don't want him. I don't think that they wanted him here just yet. I think that they were hoping that they would be in a better spot where they could bring up Morgan Frost and not have to sit there and worry about 
hey, if he screws up, this could really end up hurting us. I think that that's why they wanted to wait a little bit longer before he got here. And so to me, this may not be that long of a call up. This might be just a short term thing because he's the best available option to come in and fill in for Broussard right now. I don't, I'm not certain that Morgan Frost is going to get five, six, seven games. He may only get one or two. And, 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 and like I said, unless he comes in here and he is great right away, unless he comes in and he impresses and is playing the style of game that Elaine Vino wants, I would not be surprised if he gets sent right back down. It would certainly be an interesting scenario if that's if you're right, because you know damn well that the fans are going to lose their mind if he's only here for a couple of games and looks all right. I think Bundy's right. Got to give him at least five games. Let him settle in. See what you've got. I mean, if, yeah, if, just... Hayes, is, if Hayes is going to be out, again, if we're circling back to that, if Hayes is going to be out and you're going to play this like wait every other week kind of nonsense, if that's the plan, you have to have somebody in there that you can rely on or that you at least have to give a shot to. They don't have anybody else in in the organization that you could theoretically put in that 2c role and hope has the talent except for one guy guys if frost doesn't work do you move claude Giroux to 2c i don't think that's effective either but i mean you're gonna you might have to russ it's a great i mean he's been there right he's been a center most of his career um, you know, it's interesting. I just, just saw something on Twitter here, and, and it was actually from uh, our friend Bill Meltzer talking about uh, Bob Roadtruck talking about, uh, for the, the play-by-play in, um, in Lehigh. And he said, Frost says that it took him time to recover his timing and admits it took time mentally to get in the right frame of mind after being cut from the Flyers after three preseason games. So we were just talking about that, really, about like, you know, that's a mental shot, too. When you get sent down, you got to really pick yourself back up again. And get into the mode of saying, well, I'm not on the on the on an NHL team. I'm in the American League, and I will say this: it can actually be harder sometimes playing in the American League for an NHL type talent player. That's why I said with him, guys. And again, I, I didn't know I knew that would have affected him because he was basically told, just come in here and be good, and you're going to have a spot on the roster with Hayes out in training camp. I just think what you're seeing now uh, with this team is is a case where uh, that's why I'm in the belief. And, and Anthony doesn't seem to think that AV, right, where he's going to give him enough rope to let himself go out and flourish. I just want to see him go out for a pair, a couple weeks, two, three weeks, and just play. And nobody talk to him at all. Just let him, let him, let his game dictate what it is. Because when a coach starts talking about your game and you're an offensive guy, and like, well, you didn't do this well in the D zone and you got to be here, here, and you know, and then you start, then a guy starts thinking about everything instead of doing what he does best. I know he's not the best player in his zone. I know he's not going to ever be the best player in his zone, but can he put points on the board? Because the high, the, the problem is in this league now, it's really hard to find high-end talent that can get you goals. Doesn't mean you're going to win with those guys in the playoffs, but it'll at least get you enough points where they're creative enough to put you on a team that can get you the playoffs. And I think that's where the Flyers are at. I think that's been the theme of this episode this week is what can they do to stay um, relevant? Relevant at this yeah. point and and the win games where they're still in the pack where when you turn the calendar year and it becomes a, a, a dog fight down the stretch are they close enough to make it interesting and i'm going to be honest with you guys where they are right now i'm very very nervous about about those prospects to be honest with you i am well i guess that's uh that's probably an okay spot to wrap up the uh, on ice product i do want to bring up really quickly the response to last week's episode before we get out of here um, a lot of people had reactions to last week's episode. 
especially to the clip of uh, of Bundy talking about the Flyers ownership, some of the decisions that were made leading up to the Flyers alumni game and to um, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony being an hour before puck drop and, and all that. And Anthony, I believe if, if memory serves, there were only a, a couple of negative responses from anybody who I think had anything to do with the organization. The, the very interesting one. thing. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was one. It was one person who got a little bit upset or at least voice to you being upset about the contents of the episode. And once again, we're going to open this up to the fine folks who get themselves all worked up over our podcast. Refute what we have to say. Go back to last week's episode and present to us what we had wrong. Let us know what we got wrong. Let Bundy know. Let Anthony know. Let me know. What did we say that was incorrect on last week's episode? I think that there continues to be this issue. And based on the alumni that made their feelings known to any one of us or to people who currently or formerly have worked for the organization that have also voiced their support of the episode last week, I think it's pretty safe to say that there is a I don't know if it's a blissful ignorance, but there certainly seems to be a disconnect, a little cognitive dissonance in the way that a few people, maybe two in this organization view things versus the way that practically everyone else does. Um, apparently these two people think they're doing a great job running the team. And I guess I would just, I'm, I'm just going to point out a few anecdotes if you guys don't mind. Uh, this past that. week, this past week, uh, we heard from somebody who was named the Toyota Flyers fan of the year who said that after being named the fan of the year, radio silence from the organization. I don't remember what it was that they were supposed to get, but they didn't get it. They had to reach out to the team. And what did the team say to him? I don't remember. What did the team say, Ant? Oh, we forgot about you. Ah, yes. Speaking of the season people ticket they holder of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people they forget about, the season ticket holders. I mean, listen, this has been a constant, uh, consistent refrain over the last few years that season ticket holders have felt as though they're not valued, uh, that the, the family atmosphere that once existed, the, the feeling of being part of something has dissipated um, and that there have, there's been this transition to the, the corporate atmosphere that Comcast cares. I mean, the Comcast likes, I mean, sorry guys, I don't mean to come into this episode and, and end with bad and attitude, I mean attitude, but I just wanna make sure that we're, we're fair and we're balanced. We've, we've been hit with more and more anecdotes of people who have become uh, disaffected by what this organization has been doing over the last few years. And it's amazing that there are still people within the organization who would have the gall to question the things that are said or to voice that they're displeased by the decisions that were made in terms of programming, that we don't fall in line with the rest of the Philadelphia sports media who cover this team. Look, I think in the, the aftermath of last week's episode, it was brought to my attention that there are some other people who are typically rainbows and smiles about the organization who were not rainbows and smiles after what happened with last week's Hall of Fame ceremony and, and the alumni game. Um, listen, if, if all the people who blow rainbows and smiles up your ass are also coming out and saying this wasn't handled well, chances are you screwed up. And instead of pointing the finger at us as if we're blasphemers, do an internal audit of yourselves. Figure it out. Do better. 
And anything you want to add? Um, no, I mean, I think you, you, you had the nice little monologue there, but I think all Bundy and I need to really say um, at this point is that we, well, I know for a fact for, from the four years we've been doing this podcast, this was the most feedback that I've ever gotten from anyone, from any episode that we had. Um, and all the feedback that I got was positive, whether it was former players, former coaches, uh, current employees of the team, former employees of the team, everyone thanked us profusely. Even some fans that were DMing, I, I got so many DMs from fans that I couldn't even get back to everybody. I feel bad that I haven't had a chance. So if you DM me, I promise you I'll get to you. But there were so there were so many. I started answering a couple, and then they just kept pouring in, pouring in. I'm like, I don't have time to answer all these DMs. So I'm going to answer. I will answer everybody. I do. I promise I will. We had so many there as well, of fans thanking us. The, the, the response was so overwhelmingly positive that like, I feel great about the fact that we did that episode last week. And I have a feeling that there's going to be more like it down the road when we have some other things that we're working on that might, you know, come to light that is, is that are going to be really, really good for the fans to know and maybe some people in the organization are not going to be happy to hear. You know what, guys? I'll just say this. I didn't know either, Anthony. Like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate guy, and I've had passionate tirades before, including Sidney Crosby. But I, you know, when I do it, it's not – nothing's designed. That's how I feel. That's how I am. And any of my right. friends would be able to tell you they've heard it, whether I'm sitting at a bar 15 years ago or we're sitting at a fireside watching an Eagles game. You know, I get passionate about whatever I was. But – um. I could tell you this, I have over, I have over 70 text messages uh, and social media inbox from former players, teammates, national broadcasters, Flyers Hall of Famers themselves. Yes, multiple that said, spot on, Bundy, love it. I mean, I can't, I, I, if I clipped them together and tweeted that out, first of all, they wouldn't probably want to want that. It would be, it would give the absolute vindication that you're, you're looking for from what people have seen. Uh, I didn't do it for that. I did it because it's what I've seen and it, it, it was, it disgusted me. Yeah. Um, but the amount of players and feedback I've had from people you would not believe or the flyers themselves would not believe uh, would be knee buckling <laughs> if they knew. Uh, so again, I just be better. Like Russ said, that's all just be better. There's a, there's a long lineage and history of this franchise that was, you know, when I have had fans come up to me in the last few days, anyone that's walked up to me, I'm going to a supermarket or a Wawa when I get back. It's just talking about the past of what those days meant to them and what Flyers hockey stood for. I don't know if there's ever been a relationship between a group of fans and a team quite like there's been between the Flyers and their fans and vice versa. It's a really, really unique thing. Uh, it's hard to really tell that story unless you've experienced it. And I think a lot of the ire came from those fans, guys, that quite frankly um, have lived and died and breathed and died for this organization since its inception. And that's because of, of, of what Ed Snyder had brought to this franchise. And that was a family uh, run business where the players and the fans were beloved and they cared a lot about each other. That's why the carnival was so important over the years, you know, and, and all the the the, the 
um, the things that that ownership had done for players and vice versa and the relationship the players have with the community. So that's really the things that I've seen dissipate over time. Uh, and, and then I felt were so, so, so important to this franchise and to the great fans of Philadelphia that love this hockey team. You know what I've realized, Bundy? It's, Ant and I have talked about this a lot. And it feels like the people at the top were so hell-bent on erasing Ed Snyder from the franchise that they're, they're almost like a jilted lover. It's like, it's like you dated somebody, yeah. right? And you yeah. cared about them. And then for whatever reason, it, it didn't end well. And rather than building on what could have been positive memories or building on positive experiences and going forward and like reopening your heart, right? And, and bringing everybody back in, instead of doing that, they were so hell bent on, on whitewashing the legacy of a man who, who built the thing that they've caught so many people in, in as collateral damage. They've caught fans, season ticket holders, alumni, current and former employees of this team. There's nothing special about the Philadelphia Flyers right now. They are just another team. It wasn't always like this. You know it from playing in the organization for working. Ant knows from working, covering the team, working in the organization. I, as a mere outsider, as somebody who sits back and watches things unfold, the Flyers used to be special. There's nothing about them right now that are special. And until the people at the top are willing to accept that and to accept that things need to change, this will be nothing more than a fourth rate team in a top market that will still be able to have some semblance of success financially or ratings wise, because people are attached to what the team used to be and because they exist in a big market. But if this team were relocated tomorrow, it wouldn't move the needle in Philadelphia the way that it would have 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And that is because of what's been done over the last few years. And it's a shame to see. The only hope that we have here, I think, is that those people wise up at the top and maybe take some constructive criticism for the first time. And if they do, maybe things will get better. Then again, there's no past precedent that shows that they will. Good luck with that. So with, with that, I think it's time to end. We have some five-star reviews, don't we, Russ? Oh, you know we missed oh. it last week, too, our five stars. We never All got right, to it. We were so, we were so. I think we have, I think we have week. like four, I think we have like four or five. Do we really? Eh, Did we? Did we? Do you have them pulled up? No, I don't. I figured you would pull them up. I saw saw them in the chart. I'll pull them up. Well, of course, we know that Lee C. Oh, that was the thing I forgot to mention, by the way, while I'm pulling these up. Jason Mertidis, that sly dog. You see what he did? I did see it. Total dick move. Well, it's it's stupid. We love Jason Mertidis, but dick move. He he pulls the, the chartable rankings that show the hockey specific podcasts on Apple podcasts. And he tweets it and he tags, he tags us flyers daily, broad street hockey. And all three of us were in like what the top 25 or something like that. We were or, 16, or 17, 16, 17, 18. That was it. Yeah. And if you notice, if you take a look at his tweet, flyers daily was on the up. I think they went up like six spots or something and yeah. snow, the goalie. And I think broad street hockey also both dropped. Like, I don't know, like let's say, 
double digit spots yeah. because the episodes had been out, I guess, long enough. And like, it, it kind of works on trends. He waited until Flyers Daily got ahead of us before well, he so that, it out. Well, so we'll still point. show some residual, we'll still show some love. I, I would, it is I impressive love- that for a team that, a team that is what it is, that three Flyers podcasts are that high up in the hockey podcast rankings on Apple Podcasts. That's impressive. Good job to all those people. It is impressive. It is impressive. But, but uh, you know, just, just to let Jason know that, you know, that we're on to him. His podcast is a daily podcast. Mm. So, of course, his downloads are going to be done daily. So he waited until our podcast was out for five days before he went. Of course, his daily downloads are going to be better than ours five days after our show comes out. And, of course, that's how he snakes us by one spot. That's okay. We'll get him. We'll get them back. You know, they actually, I used to go on with Jason, right, before I did this. And he'd have me on all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'd go on for 30 minutes. I wouldn't stop talking. It's really funny how I haven't been on in quite some time now. It's <laughs> like they told him, don't have him on again. Please don't have him on again. Have some balls and have me back on, son. I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to spill the beans in person, and I'll leave you hanging to answer for them. Can you do that? Oh boy. Well, we'll uh, see. It's an open invitation. It. Open invitation to Flyers Daily to have I'd love uh, to go on that podcast now. I'll actually back on. ratings for you. Have me on. I'll come on and we'll get down to the nitty gritty of what's going on. Jesus. All right. <laughs> Let's go to our five-star reviews of the week. Uh, first, we have AGNNSD. Five stars. Flyers Hall of Shame. Not only... A small-time blog, but as a true fan of Flyers, I am truly dissatisfied and disappointed with this team. They constantly disrespect the past Flyers traditions and alumni. They also do not promote this team enough in the city. Instead, like Bundy always says, their only concern is rivaling Gritty with the Philly Fanatic. Instead of trying to grow the sport and reach of the team, all they want to do is fill their pockets. But as always, I love what you guys do and listen every week. Hopefully here in a few years, I can be able to join you guys up in press row. Cheers, guys. Keep doing great things. How about that? That was yeah. nice. That's nice. Sounds, uh, like a, we, sounds like sounds like a young journalist who has his own little blog. Who's or, or herself? Her, we or, don't know her, because it's just be a her, random right? random set of yeah. uh, random set of letters. Of letters. Uh, yeah. Who wants to do what we do and then really enjoys our stuff? So thank you. We had a three star review that we will not read. Up it to five stars. Rip away and then we'll bring it back. But three stars are for weenies. Don't be lukewarm. Go five stars or go home. And that leads us to our last one of the week, Shadow Racer 27. Five stars, Hall of Shame. Great job, guys. Called you Bunny, Bundy. But I, can we call you Bunny? No, it's, just a, it's a typo on the thing. He didn't see it when he started putting the Bundy. Yeah, the little Bunny. Came up Bunny. Probably did it on his phone, right? And it was auto Yeah, yeah. Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. All right. <laughs> Great job, guys. Bundy's fire during this episode about his about this organization's lack of respect to alumni and fans was spot on. Short, sweet, to the point. We love it. Thanks for the five-star review. Uh, I got a, I got more. No, you don't. No, I thought I did. No. I had to tell you that a couple of them were uh were we had Lee C. Lisey right, checking we, in with the weekly and Ari yeah. Logan checked in and Ari Logan has left five-star reviews before. This was like, this was a thing that we had a while ago. I, yeah, I, I know your memory is starting to slip as you get older. I don't older, remember but Ari like, Logan sending that many of them, but that's okay. 
I mean, we could read them, but I don't think we need to because they're, they're repeat. We read them, we keep them in the, uh, they warm the cockles of our hearts, <laughs> but we don't, we don't need people to constantly go back in and, you know, keep leaving five-star reviews. I don't know if that affects us at all. I don't know. Oh, if okay. I hope not, but okay, what? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. <gasps> Bundy, he it. said I was right. I found this it. never yeah. happens. Hey, on a positive note, guys, we're already up. At this point, we are up to 222 five-star reviews. We're at 210 five-star, or sorry, 222 five-star ratings, 210 five-star reviews. I think, I think, I think there's going to be a point in the very near future. We hit a certain number. We might do a, a big giveaway. Anthony's been talking for a couple of years about a few things that he's got that are, let's say, an, a, an attractive bonus. Bundy, we were talking about something before the show as well that might be an attractive bonus to somebody if they uh, if they leave a review. Maybe we'll do some kind of a raffle, uh, a nice giveaway of sorts, maybe an experience. We'll see. I'm just going to float that out there. So if you've been listening to the show for a long time or if you're a new listener and you enjoyed the show, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Uh, if you don't know how to do that, find somebody who does, make an Apple account, and then like, I don't know, leave the five-star review and then never touch the Apple account ever again. That's fine. That's what it's all about. Leave the five-star reviews. Make Anthony smile. Make Bundy smile. I'll smile as well. Don't forget, you can find podcasts wherever you get it. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And most episodes you can find over on youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. Even if you just search Snow the Goalie, you'll find the playlist in the Crossing Broad channel. You can go back and watch some of our favorite episodes and some of our favorite interviews that we've done. So what? what's up, Bundy? Happy Thanksgiving. Were we going to say that? To both of you guys and your families, yes, uh, I love you both, guys. I'm thankful that I've had a chance to come on this show this year uh, and talk hockey again, and then in a regular professional format. <laughs> professional being the key word, uh, but you know what? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you, uh, th thank you to you guys, and happy Thanksgiving uh, to everybody, all our followers and people that stick with us, Flyers fans in general. And, uh, and the Flyers organization as well. I'd like to wish them a happy Thanksgiving also. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too. But, you know, we should have, Russ and I should have been cognizant, and we weren't, but last month we should have been cognizant to wish you happy Canadian Thanksgiving, and we forgot. Yeah. So I, we do appreciate you. Uh, Nostra you know, culpa. Yeah, yes. We do appreciate you bringing it up here, uh, but happy Thanksgiving to you guys and, uh, and to all of our listeners as well. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Happy Thanksgiving, gents. Uh, let me throw this out to you. Let's pull back the curtain one second, and this will be the last thing. I'm going to give you guys nine, nine Thanksgiving items. You need to tell me which one has to go. Nine? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Listen. Okay. These are nine things that you could theoretically have on your Thanksgiving Day plate, but I want you to get rid of one of them. Are you ready? Go ahead. Turkey, rolls, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, stuffing, pie, green bean casserole, ham, gravy. Do you need the list again? Mac and cheese, gone. Mac and cheese. Wow. Gone. That's a hot take. And that's, wanna... that's one of my favorite dishes, mac and cheese. I love, no, not for Thanksgiving dinner. It'll fill you up too much. Get it out of there. I'll give you, you want a hot take? You want my hot take? Turkey. <laughs> Dude. Great. Let's have the ham and scrap the turkey. I, I eat the ham. I like. I prefer the ham. We so we make we make a whole turkey and a whole ham, right? But I I look. I, I prefer the dark meat in the turkey. I actually think the, the yeah the the target. If I'm going to eat the turkey at all, I'm going to go dark. The white meat just drives me. It's blah. 
It's that's plain. because you don't cook it right. Continue. Sorry. I, I don't cook it in the gravy. I mean, I'm not even cooking it. So it's just too plain to me. So I will go a little, I'll do a little bit of dark meat turkey, but I'd rather have the ham because the fav- my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is all those extras is everything mm-hmm. else. I eat mm-hmm. everything else. So therefore, and I eat all day because it starts with the football game at noon, right? With the, with the lions and the bears tomorrow. Woo-hoo! Can't wait for that one. Oh, um, yeah. And then you got the Dallas game and then you got the game at night. So so we're just eating non-stop. Dallas Raiders in the afternoon is going to be pretty good. I think Dallas that's Raiders actually going to be, be a pretty, Raiders pretty, pretty entertaining game. Yeah, they well, are, you don't want to be another big game, guys, Friday, that Black Friday game. You know, it's funny. I don't want to go talk about too long. Anthony, I know you know this going back to the 90s. There's never been a bigger sellout game of the year than the Black Friday game. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd looks like this week. It's a real gauge in terms of where teams are. People are at in their interest of their team. 3.30 Friday is the Flyers-Black Friday game. Yeah, it's a weird time, though, Bundy. That's the one thing. The 3.30 start, I don't necessarily know if I remember it being starting at this time. They used to start it like at noon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It, it was should like be at 11 in the morning. Yeah. I'm telling you. They should make it at 11 in the morning. I know the players would complain. Have the game. Get the family down in the parking lot early. And yeah. Get the hell out of the building. I think it's I, – I, I love that game. The players love that game. And I always loved the the family atmosphere around it. The getting yeah. the crews down. And so it was a, it was a really really special Flyers game for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just a weird time this year. That's all. It is. I'm so. still trying to process Anthony saying no to the turkey. That's very upsetting to me. I, if I had to pull one out, that would be what I would pull out. I would Why pull wouldn't out. you get rid of the rolls? What the hell's the point of the rolls? Oh, butter you have rolls. Stuffing. Are you, you have kidding stuffing. me? Butter rolls are, ph- are phenomenal. King's Hawaiian. You ever have the King's no, Hawaiian? Here's a see. This, I've learned a lot in this real brief thing. Your Thanksgiving meals suck. There oh is my no God, doubt. You have no idea. Garbage. Russell. You know why? Because uh, you're touting King's Hawaiian buns. We don't have King's Hawaiian buns at the Thanksgiving the year, meal. Throughout we don't the have year. it at Thanksgiving meal. And and by the way, the notion that your turkey is too dry, your white meat, it's probably because you're cooking it like a Neanderthal. As I told you on Press Row one day, the mom, do not way, listen to this the episode. Perfect way to cook the turkey, and I'm going to educate your mom, who I'm sure is not a day past fifty. Fantastic lady, I'm sure. Uh, you have to cut the backbone out. You have to spatchcock it, or you break the turkey down. White meat, dark meat. You have to spread them out so that you get an increase of surface area. And then you pull the dark meat before you pull the light meat or vice versa. It depends. Depends on how big of a turkey it is. But the light meat and the dark meat don't cook at the same rate. You have to be careful. But when you separate the turkey, you're increasing the likelihood of being able to get a nice, nice crispy skin and juicy white meat. It can't happen. We do it every year at this house. There's so many wrong things about eliminating the turkey altogether. I mean, you get no turkey sandwiches the next day. I was even going to bring Anthony a nice fresh turkey sandwich at a Black Friday game if I make my way down there. Okay, but here, mm-hmm. here you go, though, Bundy. I'll, I'll agree with you on this. I'm eliminating turkey from the Thanksgiving dinner, but a nice turkey man, turkey with mayonnaise on white bread the next day is a great mm-hmm. little sandwich. You're absolutely agree, right. You can't, good you can't eliminate it from the dinner and then pull it out the next day. That's <laughs> no, not you how You can't works. make a turkey for sandwiches. You got to eat it at the dinner. <laughs> that's that's really upsetting. I, we've learned a lot today. I'm not going to say that this makes Ant a domestic terrorist, but I'm I'm just saying that we might have to put Ant on the watch list. Getting rid of the turkey is un-American. You disgust me. You are a disgrace to our nation. Good day, sir. <laughs> He's going to have a turkey lasagna. All right, let's go. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, Russ. Got yeah, basketball it's time to go. on, kids. It's time, time to go, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Stir the Goalie. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Thanks yeah. for listening. We'll be back next week.